Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going this weekend? It's going great, Edward. Uh, just kind of, again, a lazy weekend. Nothing much going on with me. Obviously, some Bulls action last night. Bounced back, and we saw Zach Levine once again, you know, be the all-star star that he is and and carry uh, kind of carry the Bulls in that fourth quarter to get that win. Yeah, Zach Levine has been, his stock has definitely increased. He's been the talk of NBA Twitter. He's getting a lot of respect from many NBA analysts on TV and on Twitter. And it's just been great to see. And we're definitely going to get into Zach Levine, his season, and as well as what the Bulls are going to do approaching the NBA trade deadline. And uh, here to break that down with us, a returning guest. Uh, He's a writer for Sports and also the co-host of the NBA pod with Brian Support. Morton Jensen. Mort, thanks for coming back and joining us, man. Well, uh, first and foremost, thank you guys for even wanting me back. That's always such high praise. So thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've had some really fun shows talking with you, uh, even last year when we were breaking down uh, what we were going to expect like coming into the season and, and then what happened afterwards after Lowry Markin was not what we thought. So we've always <laughs> had like great discussions with you. Well, I appreciate it. Looking forward to having another one. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let, let's get it in and see what the Bulls are going to do approaching the trade deadline. So the, I, I feel like with the Bulls right now, a lot of people really want Lonzo Ball because they feel like his two-way ability and some of his playmaking will really help this team. And especially in a season where Kobe White has kind of struggled as a playmaker and a lot of people kind of want to see Kobe White as more of an off-ball off, uh, off role, maybe even off the bench, or he could be in the starting lineup. So uh, I think Lonzo Ball is the one player a lot of Bulls fans want, but we really don't know any other trade targets that the team is looking at besides that. Then you have maybe some thought about whether the Bulls should trade Thaddeus Young, who has been a really good player for the team this year. You could even argue he's been the second best player on the Bulls and he's on a really good contract. I think it's partially guaranteed next year. So been some discussion about that. So I just want to throw it to you more and see what do you think the Bulls should do approaching the trade day line where they are, I think about a half game out of the eighth seed right now in yeah. Eastern Conference. No, I think the Lonzo Ball idea has some legs. Um, and, and it's not just the hype. It's because he does fill a need. Uh, he, he is a table setter and he is a guy who can stretch the floor from the point guard position as well. He's got great size defensively. He's been outstanding. And I think that's been one of those things when you look at the Kobe White, Zach Levine pairing, you know, despite Levine's obvious greatness this year, defensively, even though he's improved, he's not, you know, a, a great defender by any stretch. And having Lonzo in there as a big guard to complement Levine uh, defensively and to set him up, I think just frees him up even more, Levine that is. And for a guy who's averaging 29 points on 65% true shooting, could you just imagine what he could do with Lonzo in the backcourt? That would be that would be tremendous. And if you could get him for Laurie Markkinen, I, I think that's almost the best scenario you could actually realistically look at. Because Laurie's trade value right now is not high. And you might wonder why, because you're looking at his numbers. You're looking at 19.6 rebounds a game. You're you're looking at him draining almost three triples, shooting 51% from the field. He's high efficiency. Yes. The thing is, that's basically all he does is score, which that's one thing. The secondary thing is he's going to be a restricted free agent. And in the upcoming free agent class 2021, which was supposed to be absolutely huge with loads of big names, that has been watered down dramatically because guys have just re-upped with their teams. So the 2021 free agent class has become really, really shallow, meaning someone is going to spend big on guys with potential. Laurie Markkinen, despite all his warts, fits that description. So someone out there will be handing in an offer sheet in the 20 to $25 million a year range because they just will. And I just don't think he's worth that. So if you can get out of him and get a guy in who fits the fabric of the team better, I would do that every day of the week and twice on Sundays. 
You, you wonder, though, how serious the Pels are about trading Lonzo because, yeah, we've heard rumors that uh, he wants a bigger market and the Bulls were interested, but that Sham's article kind of said they they haven't even had a dialogue yet <laughs> right. as far as uh, there's interest, but there's no dialogue, which is weird. Like, how would uh, how would there be uh, no dialogue if you're really interested in, in trading for a guy? And the way he's playing, I feel like why would they trade him right now for a lesser asset? They can, they have his bird rights, a restricted free agency, uh, able to match, and then if, you know they extend him, they could probably get more value from him in a trade. Uh, obviously, it depends on what kind of contract he's on, but he's he's only twenty three. Uh, he still has room to grow, and he's shown that he's able to actually add to his game as far as shooting. And then when we look at Lowry and to your point more, yeah, he's, he's very one dimensional in the sense that if he's not scoring the ball, he's not really adding anything else. And you kind of look at his game and his averages look good, but I couple like a week or two back, I was trying to interested in seeing, you know, what his numbers look like between his good games and his bad games. And he's played 12 games this season because he's been in and out of injury and ha- there are literally six games where he's like a flamethrower and he's averaging like 26 points shooting 91% from the free throw line, 45% or 49%, I should say behind the arc. And he's like 60% from the field, but then his other six games, he's like 42% from the field. 24% from behind the arc, 80 like 82% still from the free throw line, and then only like 14 points, and then all the rest of his numbers are even, regardless of if he's scoring the ball well or not. Like he doesn't right. re- add rebounds, assists, you know, whatever have you. So he's very much a hot and cold type of type of player. And I wonder, not to ramble on too long here, but I wonder, like, why would the Pels be, okay, like, let's do Alonzo for Larry Swap without wanting more in return? Because he would be the release valve offensively. You, you have Brandon Ingram, you have Zion Williamson, both ha- gather so much defensive attention, both can make the pass, both can collapse defense. I think Markinen more so than Lonzo from an offensive perspective, because Markinen is way more offensively inclined, could be that guy who could be basically the perfect third offensive option for him. Um, you, you see right now when Zion is just destroying opponents by by being having that gravity that he does everyone just seems to flank him to the point where he's playing one on five and while Lonzo is a decent shooter he's not Laurie marketing there's not the same they're not the same caliber of shooting uh, shooter and, and they're not gathering the same level of defensive attention so I think it, it becomes a question of what do you do if you're the defense? Do you stay home on marketing or do you collapse on Scion? I think that makes it much more difficult if you're an opposing defense going up against the Pelicans with that lineup compared to Lonzo, where you go, yeah, I'll leave Lonzo. I'll live with those results because it's something that can go hot and cold every single night. Uh, so I think there is some upside for both teams. And you can also make the argument that as Sion develops, he's going to have the ball in his hands more. He's going to be facilitating more. We're already seeing how Brandon Ingram has developed dramatically in the role of a ball handler and passer and play initiator. So you have to question, you know, what is Lonzo Ball's role going to be moving forward for the New Orleans Pelicans? Because if he's going to get a major offer sheet as well, and they're basically going to end up taking the ball away from him to put into the hands of Sion and Ingram, then why would you be paying just a ton of money for Alonso if you're going to diminish his role? So I think it would be in the interest of both parties to just move on. And if that trade facilitates, you know, that could be something to explore. Like you, Salim, I it's it's ludicrous to report that the, you know there is interest and no part to, they they haven't spoken. I totally agree with that. I'm basically just looking through this through the spectrum of if something materializes that could be interesting. You mentioned it already that when Lowry Markkinen is on the court, even if he's playing well, he's not really bringing anything else to the floor outside of his shooting mm. because he can't defend the four or the five. So. When you take him out of a lineup, all of a sudden the Bulls are almost able to slide everybody up in terms of position. Patrick Williams can go to the four. Thaddeus Young sometimes even plays the five. 
And it, if Otto Porter is healthy, I mean, prayers like prayers to the Almighty. But he can play the three and the four as well. And even someone like Sadoransky can kind of be almost a little wild card in backcourt positions as well. And he might even play a little three. So it just feels like whenever Markinen is out, the Bulls start to play a style of basketball that I think Arturis Karnishevis and Billy Donovan, that's that's kind of been their MO since they came to uh, Chicago. And it's been working wonders. I mean, obviously, Zach Levine has been just a complete godsend in terms of uh, just effectiveness and just production. And he spearheaded the whole thing. But just that versatility overall has been really, really helpful and something that the Bulls have not been able to do in the past. So I, I say that to say, do you think that there is another player that we really haven't really been talking about that could be available on the trade deadline that could kind of add to what the Bulls are trying to do with this versatility up front and with this kind of style of play that they've been embracing that they could possibly acquire at the trade deadline? Not for Laurie Marketing, because uh, like I said, his trade value right now is not major. I mean, if you if you want to have someone of equal value, you almost have to look at other restricted free agents, right? Because they, they're in the same similar position. But no, I, I don't think I've identified one guy who would fit the team as much. I think Lonzo is just a good name. Uh, I, I don't think it's something that's going to dramatically make a ton of difference because you could get him and then he would might be gone the year after because... Lord knows someone could get him a major offer sheet. But no, there, there isn't like another name that just kind of pops out that's realistic, at least. I think Harrison Barnes could be interesting, but given his improvements in Sacramento and how he's played, he's just going to cost so much. And I just wonder if he would be worth the investment moving forward. There's also another angle that you need to take into account when you're looking at, at different players, and that is they need to fit a certain timeline. Now, I personally am of the opinion that moving forward and thinking long term, you sort of have to acquire guys who are within the age group of both Sack and Patrick Williams. Like, don't get, don't go any like much younger at the very least, but also don't go much older than than, than Levine because if you do, that disparity is going to be pretty huge. And if that's the core you're going with, I think those two are kind of like on both sides of the spectrum. Sack is. You know, he's going to be 26 uh, next month. Obviously, Patrick Williams only 19. So it has to be within that age group you kind of find someone. So instead of going out and locating someone who's 28 or 29 or even 30, I, I don't think it's smart unless it's going to be, you know, a one-year deal or if you're just putting it in long-term and you go, well, we have a plan for 2023, Okay, then you can get a guy like that in for a two-year contract, but you have to make sure that you have some cap flexibility for the year that you anticipate to be a major player in free agency, But that because that year is going to come eventually. The other thing I was actually wondering is, uh, I wonder if with Otto being out, and it seems like it's indefinitely, I don't, Right. I don't know if he's going to be back at all this season. I wonder if the Bulls could do something radical in a sense and maybe buy him out and then look at uh, like the waiver market, maybe be a player in there because, you know, they are they are in the thick of it for the play, a playoff spot. And if they can add somebody like maybe a P.J. Tucker, I'm not saying that it would be a realistic possibility, but someone like that in a sense that can come in at least for this half a season and really push them over the top. If that's the goal to get into the playoffs uh, that maybe that could be something they could look at. Like, what are your thoughts on something like that? Yo, that's definitely interesting. I, I, I think they would want to explore the trade market for auto. Um, and and I, I wouldn't even think that they would be ruling out the possibility of taking on a contract that runs longer than this year. Because like I said, the 2021 free agency period, as the Bulls were gearing up to under guard packs, that, that is just no longer a viable plan. So at the very earliest, we're going to be talking 2022. So it wouldn't really hurt the Bulls whatsoever if they traded Porter for a guy who had a, a similar contract, who was similarly overpaid, but just runs one more year. And then you kind of have to look at who are those candidates. And, and I don't have a list in front of me, but if it's you would want someone who is at least 
somewhat productive and who can stay on the court. I think that's the most important thing at this point and who isn't obviously a net negative. Um, if you can get a guy like that in who can help your playoff hopes, I definitely think the Bulls FO would be interested in something like that. So what do you think about Thaddeus Young overall in the season he's having and his value to the team? When I was watching uh, the Philadelphia 76ers game on Friday, Richard Jefferson kept uh, talking about how it's a mistake for rebuilding and young teams to not have quality veterans around, not just for the benefits that come on the court, but for the things that come off the court yep. as well. And he was putting over Thaddeus Young in a really big way. So there, even though the Bulls are a half game out of the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference right now, there is potentially a scenario. We, we never really know where injuries could happen or maybe there's just a, a rough patch and the Bulls kind of slide further down the standings. So in that case, is Thaddeus Young someone that you still keep or is he someone that you should be shopping at the trade deadline just because like 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 you were saying earlier, he's not like he's what thirty two or thirty three? Yeah, but, something along those lines. But he's been a he's been a big part of what the Bulls have been doing this season. He's played really well next to Zach and his versatility has been key. So what do you make of Thaddeus Young right now, not only approaching the trade deadline, but just what he's done this season? So I, I think that has been the second best bull, and I don't think it's been close. Um, a lot of guys are looking at the market and numbers and going, oh, he, you know, he's the second best player on the team. No, that is. That has thoroughly outplayed Laurie Markin this year at the, th- at the four. I also think that should be the front runner for six man of the year. Uh, I think people get too caught up in the whole offense off the bench. Look at what he's doing. It, it's not just the scoring. It's the rebounding. It's the playmaking. It's the defense. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm not even... I mean, Thad should definitely be the sixth man of the year, uh, in my opinion. And I don't think you trade him. I don't think you shop him at the least. That's probably a better word. I don't think you aggressively shop him at all. I think you are willing to take phone calls. And if a, a an offer comes in that says, you know, we'll give you a first round pick for, for Thaddeus. And it's not something that is projected to land in like the late twenties, but something that's, you know, in the high teens, maybe then I think you consider it just for, uh, the fact that the 21, 2021, uh, draft class is projecting to be really good. Then you could make the argument, but I totally agree with what Richard Jefferson is saying. I mean, if that offer doesn't come in and there's more value in keeping that on the floor, you take that and you don't look back. Like that's not a problem. The Bulls could win either way. If they get a good return for for Thad, okay, that's great. If they don't and they keep that around with the way that he's been playing, that's great too. I, I don't think you can really go the wrong way either way when it comes to Thad. Well, yeah, you could trade him for nothing and that would be just a tremendous mistake, but the Bulls actually have smart management now, so I don't think that's a problem. I've gone like back and forth on this because like like you said, Thaddeus Young has been really, really good. And all I keep thinking about is like when the Bulls traded Nikola Miritich uh, a few years back and they got like a first round pick and some second rounders. And obviously that became Chandler Hutchinson. So it's just like if you trade Thaddeus Young to a playoff team and you get like a late first round pick, is that late first round pick worth you know Thaddeus Young continuing to impact younger players, continuing to you know, be a good leader. Like, the, I mean, the story about how he was cursing everyone out during the Detroit game and was instrumental in that, like stuff like that, it, it does mean something to mm. wins. Like, granted, yeah, a young player could maybe become the next Giannis, whatever, whatever. But I, I don't know. Like, sometimes I feel like even though it's practical in thought, sometimes we do kind of underestimate the impact that veterans do have on these teams because these guys like Temple and Thad and Sadoransky and Porter, when he's been healthy, they have been really solid. And when we're thinking about trying to potentially build a team around Zach Levine, these veterans are showing you almost the blueprint of the type of players that you need around him to actually become a winning team one day. Mm. Oh, I agree with you fully. I mean, (laughs) that is... A professional with a capital P, 
And I think that matters. I think it matters for Levine in particular. I think it matters for a guy like Patrick Williams as well, because you need to have the positive role models you can look at and understand how do they, one thing is how they contribute on the court. Another thing is how they approach the game behind the scenes, how they work out, how they mentally approach things, how they mature. Uh, yeah, no, he, he is worth a lot as that leader. I think Ultimately, if you were to keep that around even after next year, and I realize he's only you know partially guaranteed contract next year, but it wouldn't be a problem to hang on to him. And if, if the Bulls wanted to hang on to him even after that, it's fine. It's really it, what it boils down to, though, is where you put the cap, like where how much of the, your cap you allocate to veterans and to young guys. So when I said you know ten minutes ago that I think in terms of like you want to acquire guys of a certain age, I'm talking about the big money guys. Obviously, you still want veterans. I don't think it's smart to have a team where no one is over 30. That's that's idiotic, honestly. Uh, I think guys like Ed Davis, Garrett Temple, Thaddeus Young, those guys out there who are great leaders, great locker room presences, yeah, you definitely need some of those to have on your team. And right now, the Bulls have two. That's a huge luxury, and I, I wouldn't be in a rush to move any of them. So... I would be all in for the Bulls if they wanted to keep him around. Uh, it, but it also comes down to just value, right? At some point, if someone gives you a godfather offer, I mean, you just have to look at it. But um, again, I trust this management more than I did Garpax. So I'm not really worried about the direction here. If they are going to move that, I think the return is going to be good. And if they aren't, you know, it's all good with, with that. So I, I think you're absolutely right. He provides something that the Bulls have lacked for years. And last year doesn't count because he was severely frustrated after playing under Jim Boylan. Um, we're finally seeing the right uh, version of Thad Young this year. And it's been it's been wonderful to watch. Yeah. And the other angle, too, is appeasing Zach in a sense, because the, the signal you showed him, if you trade, you know, Thad away, who they're very close, one, they're they're they they have that you know he was my rookie in a sense and they they have a very close relationship and the fact that Zach does want to win he he wants to get into the playoffs that's his goal I would very much imagine that he'll be very uh this upset if they don't you know get in and if you if you're making the team worse to when you're in that mix that you're half a game out of the postseason and then you're trading a guy away to make the team worse, that could signal us, you know, Zach in a negative light and, and, you know, saying, okay, well, what are we doing as an organization? Are we trying to get there? And that could upset him. So that's another angle that we have to consider as well. Mm. No, I very much agree. You want to leave Zach with a good taste in his mouth, being a bull, and you want him to make that commitment long term. And if that means that he wants a veteran to stick around who he likes and who is a positive on the floor. Yeah, no, I, I think that factors in as well. I, I even think that factors into how teams set trade value. Honestly, I think the Bulls take though all those things into consideration if they get an offer. I mean, it's not just what is that worth on the trade market overall. It's also what is that worth to us and to the guys around him. I think they take that into uh, con great consideration, to be honest. So let me ask you this more. There's no way Zach Levine doesn't make the All-Star team, right? I mean, I just put up a video on my YouTube channel where I basically said, you know, if Zach doesn't make the All-Star team, we riot. So if, uh, <laughs> if he doesn't, I have some planning to do. <laughs> right. Riot, uh, the capital of the NBA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he should be. He should be. Look, I mean, the guy is averaging 29 points, five and a half rebounds, five assists. He's got a true shooting percentage of 65, and the Bulls are in currently the play-in tournament. I mean, yes, absolutely he is. I, what, I can't find a single argument for why he shouldn't be. I mean, I just did a, a trade or sorry, an all-star podcast with, with my co-host Brian Zaborik over there, the NBA pod as well. And, and I had Levine as one of my locks. I mean, I, I think it's it would be criminal to not put him in there. Absolutely. He's he's yeah. been the heart and soul of this team all year long. 
hundred percent. Like you look at, you, know, you talk about his efficiency, you look at his efficiency across the board and it's essentially similar. It's, it's pretty much what Steph did when he won a unanimous MVP. Yep. Like his like shooting percent, his field goal percentage, three point percentage, effective field goal percentage, uh, true shooting percentage, all that, and and then the high volume of scoring. It just like, man, this guy, this guy. If he, you said it. Like if he doesn't get a nod in the All Star game, who's an All Star then? What is an All Star then? Right, right. It would have to be like the top tier superstars, of which there are like five. I mean, it, he's on that second tier, which is also why, you know, I think they need to you know, keep keep him around. I, I think he's proven that he can be a secondary guy on a very, very good team, because right now he is being somewhat miscast in the role as the number one guy. And, and by the way, I think there's this distinction between being a number one guy and a number one option, scoring option, at least. A lot of people look at that in the same light. Zach Levine could lead any team in scoring, but he shouldn't be the primary decision maker. Yet right now, he, he basically is, and the Bulls are in the playoff tournament as it stands right now. And he's doing this despite playing with Kobe White in the backcourt. Who I mean, look, Kobe White is not a point guard. He's been dreadful. He's been absolutely dreadful as a point guard. And that's not necessarily on him. I think he's miscast in that role. But what Zach is doing with so much youth and with guys in and out of the lineup, you have to take those things into consideration. So yes, absolute all-star and, and to probably, uh, you know, one of, or not even probably definitely the best scorer the Bulls have had since Michael. Absolutely. And, and my favorite thing about this is that it, there's been a gradual buildup to this. And, and me and Selena have been talking about it for a while, but like each season, you notice that Zach Levine, he had these games where he's scoring well and it would be in garbage lineups. Like he would just have like Lowry wouldn't be on the floor or Lowry would be out. Wendell might be out like other players just might be out. And he's just playing with like maybe like campaign or whoever, whoever. And it's just, he's still playing well. He's attracting number one option defenses and he's still playing ridiculously well. And as you mentioned this season, the, the second best player on the Bulls is Thaddeus Young, who's been playing well, but he's not a, a high volume scorer who is, you know, shifting defensive coverage away from anyone like Zach Levine, for all intents and purposes, is doing this without really a legitimate all star next to him. And it, it's really the perfect storm because now all of a sudden you're setting up Chicago to potentially be appealing to maybe the next young all star who wants out of their situation because then you got Zach Levine over here who's playing in a big market who's playing really well you have a, another really young piece in Patrick Williams who I think is going to be really good at, at some point and I, I'm not out of the woods yet with Kobe White I think Kobe White can be good if we put him in the role he should be which is more catch and shoot complimentary uh players so mm. Zach Levine suddenly spearheads a more appealing Chicago Bulls team in the future that could position themselves to acquire another big time talent. And then you have the pieces to be a pretty good team. Yeah. And to add to that point, Edward, there's another factor playing in here. And that is guys love Zach Levine. He is well liked. As you also saw on the all-star voting system, the players had him third in the East on guards. Players love Zach Levine. There is absolutely a pathway here wherein you can use Levine to attract other guys. The Denver Nuggets wanted him at last year's trade deadline. I mean, we've, we've seen those reports. I would like to flip that whole narrative on its head going into 2023 when Nikola Jokic is going to be a free agent. Look, the Chicago area has a great Serbian population and we all know that Zach is a scorer. He's not necessarily the greatest of playmakers. Well, remind me what it is that Nikola Jokic is. He's a playmaker. Yeah. And he's, he's also a, a guy. Guard. He's a point He's a point guard center, yeah. <laughs> which is utterly <laughs> ridiculous. Like, yo, those two would fit well, fit so well together. And then you add in the fact that Patrick Williams by that time will be two years older and have two years additional NBA experience. The Bulls in 2023... If they could land Jokic, and I am definitely not ruling that out, that could be a 
huge, huge win, and it would be because of Sack. Now, obviously, that's a year after Sack Levine's contract is up, so you would need to retain Sack, and probably on a max. But you can make those numbers work still, because if you're not ending up paying Laurie, if you find out that Wendell is not your future, maybe he is, maybe he's not, like that's up in the air. But you don't really have a whole lot of guys right now that you need to commit to in the near future outside of Levine. You can make those things work. That can that can play into your advantage. And I think for, for Zach being such a well-liked player who is such a good scorer and someone who can also play off the ball a little bit like Durant, and I'm not putting him in the same breath as Durant, don't worry. But it, you know what I mean in terms of Durant. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands all the time to to produce. He can move right. without it. He can he can like have there's the reason he worked in Golden State was you know he's not that selfish of a player. He when Draymond and Steph or Clay had the ball, fine, he would move, he would cut, he would like make the right reads, he would get the ball and he would shoot. He wouldn't take over possessions relentlessly. And the sack is kind of built in that same manner. So guys who have the ball, uh, you know, at, at a great volume, they wouldn't look at sack and go, "Oh, he's going to take my touches away." No, no, he they would he would he's like tailor made for a guy who's like the primary decision maker. And I think guys like Jokic knows that. Let me ask you something with Zach. I know you talked about the max. I, I mean, I, I'd give him the max without hesitation. Mm. Uh, but do you think they should approach him this offseason about an extension? Yeah, I think they should. I, I think those conversations needs to be happening as soon as you can, because in this league, as we're seeing right now, with so much player movement, it is just important to lock your guy up as soon as you can. And I think you have to be straight up with him as well. You, you have to let him know that whatever he wants it's okay, they but but that they want to be in the fight for it. If he says no, I actually want to test out free agency, then you have to make sure that when free agency starts for him in 2022, that you're right there offering him the full max at the the very best that you can, even loaded up with player options if you must. Just make sure he's your number one guy, and if if it requires you know this year that you go into these negotiations and you may be willing to. Uh, renegotiate his contract, which you can if you're giving him a substantial raise. I don't quite know if he's eligible for that. I think he is. But yet, do that immediately. May, like, talk to his agent. Talk to him. Let him know. We, we don't care if we actually end up spending some cap space that we don't have to um, right now. We want to invest in you long term because we know what you provide us. Yes, you have to make him you have to make him feel at home. You have to make sure that he understands that every one of his needs are, is taken care of. We, we talked about his all-star chances. What do you think his chances are of making an all-NBA team this year? Oh, that's tough, right? Because like talent-wise and production-wise, I think he could be there in, in that conversation, but you just need the team record. And and so many guys are out. Like It really depends, I think, what happens on the trade line, as we talked about. If the Bulls do bring someone in here and and they they get substantially better and they make it to the playoffs and not just as a play-in tournament thing, but like making the seventh seed, like let's let's use that as a, uh, that as an example. If they make the seventh seed and Levine is you know, putting up the same numbers that he is now, maybe even a little better, then I think it becomes a a quite a, a tough discussion to have for all the voters. Like they they would need to sit down and go, wow. We need to remove some guys because this guy's deserving as well. Yeah, definitely. It's he, the season he's having. It's it's just like like we're talking about. It, it's it's not just his improving his shooting. Mm. And before we were recording, we were talking about how what improvements he's made. It's just the way he is like reading the opposing defenses and what, how, like giving, shooting what, doing what the defense gives him. He's not overthinking it out there and he's not just purely using his athleticism to, to, you know, get his, get his. And he's also looking at making plays for his teammates as well. He just kind of the whole package on offense in a sense, obviously um, turnovers kind of been an issue, but I think he's kind of improved as the season has gone on on yeah. that angle as well. Like you, you're kind of seeing less and less 
really bad. Like, what are you doing with the balls at turnovers? Um, and I mean, sometimes you still see bad shots, but I think that's a lot of superstars do that because they just get that, you know, I'm, I can't miss anything mindset, you know? So you'll, you'll see guys take some, like, you know, like you see Dame take these crazy shots. You see Steph take these crazy shots. And again, I'm not saying he's exactly like as good as those guys or anything like that, but I'm just saying you, you see that mentality with, with scorers where they'll take tough shots because they have that confidence and ability to make it. But yeah, just his growth has been remarkable. And like I was saying before recording, it's in, in a similar, in a sense to Jimmy Butler, where we, you know, a lot of people, I, if you're being honest, like who, who really thought Zach could have this high level of efficiency. Yeah. Coming into this season. Like I, I always thought, yeah, he's, he's a good high volume scorer, but he's elite. Yeah. That's what he is. And it's remarkable seeing what he's doing. No, I mean, I didn't see it. I definitely didn't see him coming up on the, I I mean, to this extent, Um, I actually had him, uh, average 30 before the year. And I was like, la- Brian, he laughed at me on the podcast that we did because I said, you know, that's that's one of my predictions for this year was Zach would average 30. And I think he countered back with like on 41% shooting. And I was like, yeah, probably. But I mean, look, he's at almost 52% from the field overall, 43 from three, 86 from the line. What he's doing is, is amazing. And I'm going to throw... A, 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 not a comparison out there, but there's something I've just noticed with him um, a little bit similarly to what happened to Kawhi about four or five years ago. So, you know, Kawhi also started his career out a little bit, you know, he, he was a defensive guy pre, you know, primarily, and then his offensive game grew and he understand, he started to understand just how much more effective he could be offensively. And then he started suddenly playing the pick and roll and people were like, oh, Oh, he's a ball handler too. Where did this come from? And it was just a matter of the game slowing down for him. For Zach, we're seeing this partly last year, and we're seeing just another level of that this year. You can sense that when he makes decisions now and when he makes reads, it's not panicky at all. It's under control. There's this idea from him that when he goes into the paint, he's looking at the next guy up. You can, you can just sense that he's understanding, I have a speed advantage. I have a lot of NBA experience by now. I know what's coming. So if if the guy who was supposed to drop actually comes up to meet me, well, there's a drop-off right there. If the guy just has dro- who's dropped doesn't come up to, to, to fight me on it, well, I have a push shot, or I have a floater, or I have a layup, or I can just go all the way to the bucket. There is that intelligence level that's just come with him seeing the floor differently and him growing and evolving as both a human and as a player. And that kind of improvement to me is always so telling because it just proves to me that there's more. I don't think Sack is done. Like next year, we could see another leap from him. I think this is the beginning of something. Like some people are are basically arguing, oh, this is his peak year. It's only going to like level off from here. I don't necessarily think that's true. I, I don't think that's necessarily true at all, actually. We, we, that kind of intelligence, that kind of development, it's it's something that you could lean into becoming more as he ages. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's what, two years away from his prime, I would imagine. Uh, he definitely has still room to grow. And I think the, the strides we've seen him make defensively, I can see him continuing to improve in that, on that end. And like you said, you know, with his playmaking, he, he's like the remarkably how much better he's gotten. And I, I, I want to credit a lot to Billy Donovan. Um, mm. not, not to take anything away from Zach. Obviously, Zach puts in the work. He's he's a workhorse. This guy, he's a gym rat. Like he he's he's in a sense. I put in that sense. Like you know, when I when I would call Jimmy psychotic when his workouts. That's the type of workout work ethic he has. He has like a psychotic work ethic. And, but the, the communication, the relationship that he's built with Billy, they're always talking They're They're, you know, Zach says that he, like Billy was saying, Zach watches so much uh, game tape, like on his downtime, he's just watching game tape because yeah. he just wants to learn. He's so coachable. He's showing that, that, yeah, I want to win. I know the things I'm bad at. I'm going to improve. 
Um, and they're having that relationship with Billy and Billy's been able to really teach him. Um, I think that's been a huge benefit. And, uh, you know, sad that what, 70 years into the league, he's not had a valuable coach like that. I mean, yeah, he had Tibbs for a little bit, but it was like a month or two and he then tore his ACL and then was rehabbing. Mm. So, you know, he didn't really have that coach ever, really, that high level coach that could really work with him and help him grow. Yeah. No, I think he had six coaches over the first seven years, right? Oh, yeah, something like that. Something like yeah. that. That just makes it yeah. so difficult for a guy of his talent uh, level to, to, to meet sustained success. Because you need to have some sustainability in this business. You just do. And if Billy Donovan is the guy to actually make that connection with him, and if, if Donovan is the guy to actually be his coach for the foreseeable future, not just this year and next year, but maybe you know an additional two or three or four years down the line, that will be one of the most long-lasting relationships Zach will have ever had with a coach. And, and that should speak volumes, right? And that should be where he understands coming in every single year. Okay, I know this guy at the sideline. I know what he wants from me. I mean, last year you could argue going into the second year under Jim Boylan that yeah, you would know what Jim Boylan wanted, but it took Sack basically freestyling and and just ignoring what Boylan did to actually become a success. The the Charlotte game, uh, the very famous Charlotte game where he had forty nine points and the, the 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 late game buzzer beater and the thirteen triples and whatnot. You know, that was actually a pivoting point for him because that was kind of the game afterwards. He just said, you know what, I'm screw it. Screw what the coaching staff is saying. I'm I'm going to do things my way. And for the rest of the year, he averaged like 28 points a game. So now coming into a to a coach who I presume he respects and who gives him the freedom to do what he does, I can only imagine that being a huge, huge asset for the Bulls, for Zach, for Billy Donovan. And moving forward, I would not be shocked if that relationship uh, builds and, and grows stronger. And that only makes Zach so much better. And I also think it's going to make Billy Donovan better. We've come a long way from that because I remember, uh, I think it was the game before because I think that's when we got blown out by either Boston or Miami and then in the post game Zach Levine is just like staring into the camera he just looks dead inside like he just wants to choke somebody mm. and then the next game he just goes completely off on Charlotte and it was amazing so like we, we've come such a long way from leaderships committees and all of that different all of those different things <laughs> Zach Levine now has embraced his role as one of the big time leaders of his team and he's taking his game up to another notch and improve coaching has played a part in that as well. So I mentioned that to say this, how optimistic are you about the Chicago Bulls right now going forward with all of these different improvements, new leadership at the top, improved coaching, a a, a star in Zach Levine, some promising young players. Uh, it, it, it seems like things are getting better. I'm not saying that they're going to be a title contender in the future, but it seems like the arrow is pointing up. So what's your optimistic level with that right now? No, it's super high, obviously. I I, I think when you look at a year ago, um, this, this was one of the worst franchises, one of the worst outlooks, uh, future outlooks in the NBA. And maybe, and maybe even in sports, you had a, a coach who was like, I cannot overemphasize just how incompetent he was. Like, we're talking about a guy who should never set foot on an NBA coach, or NBA court again as a head coach. And then you had Bert and Ernie up in, in management who, who just <laughs> could, could barely function and would, would, would just not understand what was require, required anymore to become a successful NBA franchise. Like Again, r- reports came out. They were not big on advanced metrics. They had one of the smallest scouting staffs in the entire league. It was about as bleak as something could become. And now you have something that is completely different. You have a vast scouting network. You have a, you know, people in charge who understands and have been in it before but are thinking new age NBA. You have Billy Donovan, who was such a great hire roaming the sidelines. No, it, how can you not be optimistic when you have 
you know, that kind of personnel. And when you found a gem like Patrick Williams in the draft as well, and sack improving, and, and we touched on Kobe White a little bit, you know, I, I've been down on his season, but I don't think it's his fault necessarily. Like, like you said, Edward, as well, I, you know, there's, there could be a way where he becomes good in the right role. So the jury is still out on him. And yeah, no, I, how could you not be positive and optimistic about the future compared to where they were a year ago? Uh, absolutely, I, I'm very, very optimistic in in what they can do. I, I do have a question. So I know we all agree that Zach is an all star, but I'm just curious who who do you have as uh, all star for remainder for the East, uh, making the team? Oh boy, uh, see that is the good. That's the big question because um, like we did the whole podcast thing, and I. Let me let me tell you firsthand. Brian has to drag me to these. I am not one of those guys who who go into the All Star thing with with a high level of enthusiasm. <laughs> but my locks were like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I think both those Celtics were just worth it. They've taken huge leaps. Bam out of bio. I think um, obviously you know you have the starters who, who are there, and Levine is another lock for me. Uh, I guess Harden as well. Um, and then if there is a, a, a you know, if, if Joel Embiid says he doesn't want to be there, then you could argue Sabonis or, or Julius Randle. I don't know who of those two I would go with. And then Nikola Vucevic, I'd probably go with as well. Interesting. So you don't you don't have Kyrie? No, he, he's in the starting lineup. Oh, is he? That's right. Okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the starting lineup that came out already, and then that was just the oh, okay, remaining. Okay, okay, yeah. that's right. I forgot he didn't make starting lineup. Yeah, then. along with Beal, which you know, it's it's fine. Like it, it's it makes sense. But no, there. I, I will say this: there are a lot of people who are deserving in the East who won't make it. Like a guy like Jeremy Grant, even though he plays for just a woeful Detroit team, he's been so good. Like he's been, yeah. he's been fantastic. Like he deserves a spot. Malcolm Brockton deserves a spot. Fred Van Vliet deserves a spot. Even Tobias Harris, I would argue, deserves a spot. You know, Ben Simmons, you could kind of go either way. Like at, uh, offensively, he's taking just a bit of a decline, but defensively, my God, he's been like he's been tremendous. Should be runner up for DPOY. Uh, Trey Young is there as well. Like there's just there's a lot of talent in the East right now, which kind of bodes well because as you know, over the past ten years, the East has just been you know a joke compared to the West, and I think finally it seems more balanced. Yeah, it's it's yeah. someone from Charlotte isn't going to make it because they've been really entertaining and they have a pretty solid team. I mean, Rogier Hayward have both been like playing like All Star caliber basketball mm. like this season. I mean, I, I don't expect you would want to make it, though. But No, but you're right. I mean, you, you can bring those guys up. But fun fact, by the way, Gordon Hayward ranked 15th among the players who voted. So I don't think he uh, I, I, I don't think NBA players are are a fan of Gordon Hayward because the players had him 15th on forwards in the East, which <laughs> oh, like there was no one else on the list in the East, at least that went past 10 and he was at 15. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, you know, there's always rumors about him as far as his like political beliefs. Right. So I wonder if that plays in. I don't know how accurate those are. I know they're just kind of like people make jokes, but I wonder if that stuff kind of plays into it, too. That's definitely a good theory. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see that. It's definitely like you said, it feels like this is one of those years where, you know, people are going to get snubbed, but it's such a like concrete group in the reserves that you can't really be mad at the people who do get snubbed. Like, it's just kind of like it's just more deserving than it is like, like, oh, oh man, like that guy definitely should have made it over this guy. Like it. Very solid. More. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a blast talking to you. You let our listeners know where they can follow you and what you're working on right now. Yeah, no, thank you so much, you guys, for having me on yet again. Um, Well, I I recently uh, relaunched, so to speak, my YouTube channel. It went dead for a couple months because, you know, COVID is such a thing and, like, the world is shut down and health-wise, you know, people just get hit with a bunch of stuff. So, uh, But I'm back. I'm doing daily videos over at The NBA Show on YouTube from Monday through Fridays. 
Uh, I also have the NBA podcast with my friend and co-host, Brian Zaporic. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MSJ NBA and also uh, at my, my full-time job, VO Technologies here in Copenhagen. We, we create sports cameras uh, for soccer and for, for basketball. And on Thursday, we have a great webinar with former NBA video coordinator Mo DeKeel, who is currently writing for Bleach Report and doing podcasts for The Athletic. That's coming up on Thursday. Sign up on our page for that. It was a great conversation with Mo. So that's that's what I'm up to these days. And uh, yeah, if you want to give a follow and uh, support some work by that, you know, through that means, I would greatly appreciate it. All right. Sounds good to me. Salim, any final thoughts? Yeah, just uh, thanks again to Morta. I always love having him on. Uh, you know, we've all known each other for a while, so it's it's great to hear his thoughts because he always has uh he's one of the better uh nba follows on on twitter so definitely give him a follow and read his work because he he's very passionate about what he does and he puts a lot of good uh writing out there as well and obviously the nba pod is one of the one of the good nba pods out there uh but yeah i'm hoping that we'll see what happens with zach here i I feel like he should be a lot for the all-star but crazier things have happened in this league. Like we've, how long the Damian Lillard keep getting snubbed. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that situation doesn't come around for Zach. And, and we see that, you know, the coaches, you know, recognize that, yeah, this guy deserves to be in there and, and give him his due. Yeah, absolutely. Hoping Zach makes it this year. It would be really devastating if he doesn't. But I mean, it, it seems like he should be a lot. Uh, this time around but uh thanks everybody for listening to bulls go here on nothing but net radio part of dash radio if you missed any past shows you can check us out on itunes spotify wherever you get your podcast and you can always check us out here every tuesday morning 9 8 central on nothing but net radio so for salim sudawala i'm edward Schuler. this has been bulls gold and we will catch you next time bulls fans.